Hello there, I'm Jim Salverson and this is Sound Business, a podcast all about sound. This is a show that explores the world of audio from podcasting to radio to voice technology to audio branding. Throughout this series, I've spoken to some of the brightest and most creative minds in the industry. And today, those minds are focused on the art of the HRA. HRAs, or host-read ads in podcasting, often known as live reads in the radio world, are often talked about as audio's superpower. And quite rightly, the way audio can connect with an audience and the relationship that can be leveraged between listeners and hosts really helps to create an incredibly powerful tool for delivering commercial messages. But that power isn't a given. The power that HRAs and live reads has is only unlocked when messages are delivered in the right way. And on today's podcast, we're going to look at how you and your teams can ensure you are doing that to a high standard and also give you some tools that you can use to create host reads that not only brands that you work with will love, but also that your listeners will enjoy and importantly, your listeners will react to. On today's show, I'm going to speak to two individuals who know what it takes to do just that. Shortly, you'll hear from Paul Sylvester, the content director at Absolute Radio, who you will see regularly amongst the nominees in award categories that recognise brilliant branded content and brand integration in audio. I'm going to chat to him about not only the relationship between brand and platform, but also how he ensures he gets the best in terms of live reads from his presenters. But before I do that, I'm going to speak to an ex-colleague of mine, Tim Cocker, who's going to give the presenter's view. I produced Tim on XFM back in the day, and I could always trust him to deliver this type of content to an exceptional standard. Now with Virgin Radio, Tim not only has the experience from the radio side of things, but also from a podcasting world with his rugby podcast, Egg Chasers which over the last decade has built some fantastic relationships with brands based on their approach to commercial content. Let's do this. Paul Sylvester and Tim Cocker on the art of the HRA. Tim Cocker from Virgin Radio and the Egg Chasers podcast. How are you and where are you? I'm in my home studio. I'm very, very well. Good. It's lovely to speak to you. I mean, for full disclosure, we worked together for, was it six years? Yeah. On the old XFM? Well, I mean, six years we worked together where we saw more of each other than our own wives. (laughs) Yeah, very true. (laughs) On the same show. Which is why we try to avoid each other ever since. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, a decade in all at XFM. Good times, mate. Good times. Yeah, it was good. We're going to talk about host red ads and live reads today. And you've got a really interesting perspective on this because you not only have the radio point of view, you've also got the podcasting point of view, which it'll be interesting to hear whether you approach both those things in very different ways where you have different processes so let's get stuck into this first off what in your view makes a really good live read i think it's a mindset actually and i think everything is content is kind of my mantra and that that goes for the radio and the podcast everything is content and if you approach it like it's a throwaway or an extra or just an add-on then your audience will will know that and they'll know if you don't believe what you're saying They'll know if you don't care about what you're saying. And actually, I think that word care works both ways. They won't care, but it also shows you don't care about your your listeners. So the mindset, everything is content. And if you're going to open a microphone and say something, make sure it's worth it. Make sure it's worth the effort and worth their time. I want to come back to that 
idea of caring about what you're saying in a moment, because I wonder whether that's different between radio and podcasting, but you're working across the two mediums, as I said. How different are they when you're delivering this type of commercial content on radio versus you're delivering it on podcasting? Do you have a different approach or to you, is it one and the same? Well, I suppose the, the mindset is the same, but yeah, it is very, very different in the sense that there is a, there's a corporate structure uh, which has gone into delivering me this brief that has been agreed. It's been through lots and lots of meetings for the radio show, that is, and it's been signed off and there's certain expectations and certain agreements. And also you're operating within a, you have to try and provide a level of consistency for your client across different shows. Whereas with, with a podcast, there is a level of independence there, which frees up all kinds of opportunities. That's what I really enjoy about that. And I think if, if kind of approaching radio content, I think some of the best radio content I've heard across the medium, not just, uh, you know, not just my show, is when that kind of podcast feel is brought to the radio. And I, I know you're talking to Paul Sylvester on this episode, and I'm yeah. sure he's got lots of great examples to talk about there, because I think that's one thing that his company and people under his watch do especially well. What do you mean by podcast feel? That it feels free form and it feels like you don't, you don't quite know what's going to happen next. It feels like it's really embedded and intertwined within the content itself. Okay. And I know, I know a lot of the stuff that comes up in podcasts now is dynamic adverts that are inserted so I guess there is a there is a difference there, but even in those contexts, you you can replicate the kind of different feel that there is on a podcast where it's just it could be friends or uh, one person sat chatting and giving their thought. You can replicate that in the ads, and it, it doesn't have to feel like a commercial entity. It all comes down to authenticity, I guess, and that's the authenticity that brings the engagement. That's the reason that people love podcasting. The reason that people love radio. It's intimate. It's authentic. It kind of engages audiences in that way. Going back to what you said about you need to care about what you're doing. Now, radio and podcasting is very different in that respect in terms of in radio, there is this hierarchy. You are a presenter who has a commercial team beneath you who will pass you content that you have to deliver. In podcasting, it's very much your product, particularly in the situation you're in with an independent podcast like Egg Chasers. So in that scenario, how important is it that the brands you work with on that podcast are A, brands you like, and B, brands you feel that your audience is going to like. Absolutely essential. I, I was going to say one of the things I had in my mind before chatting was to get across the point, be really choosy. I, I've turned down, we've turned down a lot of money because th there were things that just don't fit. And that you just talked about authenticity and I, I ally with that authority and trust. Mm. Uh, and all of those things are priceless like it's, it's that classic phrase about knowing the the price of everything and the value of nothing the real value you have with your audience is their trust and that gives you all authority when you speak and that only comes across if you're authentic in what you're saying so yeah we have turned down a lot of money but i think it's meant that we are more valuable to the clients that we work with when we know it works and i think also, that means that you're focusing on pleasing your audience rather than pleasing your client. Mm. And the, the pleasing the client should be a byproduct of they've got, they've got a product you believe in and you know how to communicate with your audience. What's the driving factor behind you making those decisions to not work with a client then? Is it because you don't want to damage your relationship with an audience by feeling inauthentic? Or is it that you don't want to deliver something on a client's behalf to an audience that ultimately isn't going to work because that comes back to you at the end of the day and that damages your your commercial value i guess 
Yeah, it's both of those things, actually. So I've, I remember from radio, uh, from radio days, I remember having to say the phrase. I, I, I had, there were certain phrases that I had to say. It was a really wordy, long sentence about the new delicious Cadbury's cake bars in one of five <laughs> delicious flavours. And I had to say that. It had been agreed and signed off, and I had to say those exact words. And I felt horrible because I would never say those words and then and then I was very lucky you and I were very lucky to work on a brand like XFM and Virgin are the same where they value the authenticity of their presenters to the level that the sales teams will not sign stuff off that mm. that presenter would not say so I, I've been in the situation where I feel dirty um, <laughs> nothing wrong with Cadbury's cake bars by the way it's just <laughs> that I would never say that sentence well in that scenario I mean part of the value of a live reader or host read is the humour and personality that an individual can put into it, as you've kind of already said. So there's a line there somewhere, though, isn't there? Because if you delivered that line within Egg Chaser's podcast, delicious cake bars, you'd probably be able to deliver it in a way that was cheeky and fun, irreverent, and almost kind of took the mick out of that line. That's actually what I did, by the way, Jim. I did it in quite a deliberately sarcastic Well, where's um, that line then? Where's the line between showing respect for the brand and the message and being authentic and putting personality and humour into it? Or is that just something... Is that a gut feel thing? Well, I think if you're at the point where you're having to try and find ways to get around a a big obstacle that you don't feel good about, then you're probably not in the right spot in the first place. Mm. And I guess this is where relationships with, with clients or with hosting platforms who bring who have sales teams with podcasts or your sales team at a radio station this is where those kind of relationships are are really really important so you don't get yourself in that situation in the first place but yeah i I take your point that there is that there's always a way to deliver something in your voice but it's again it's what you're trying to do is damage limitation by that point i would i would suggest within your podcasting world what's the ideal moment that you get involved in the process do you want to get an email a script from a producer or an editor or a sales team and go here's what you're delivering or would you like to be in those conversations with a potential sponsor or advertiser from day one shaping that read shaping that campaign personally i would love to be there from the very outset i'd love to know the overall message and objective and what the budget is i'd love to be there at that point because one of the things i think and this is partly radio it's partly just the way i'm wired the the creative treatment Mm. of content the the really interesting angles and things that could be amazing things to listen to for my audience and deliver the brand messages and actually as a result come out better all round for everybody i think that's one thing i can do really well and when uh, i won't name any names but when we when we first joined our uh, well audio platforms that that host podcasts now there was a point when that was the way that the business was being done. We would get specific clients. Mm. We're, we're pitching to them in a couple of weeks. Why don't you come up with some ideas and we'll take them to them. And as things scale, then it becomes more, here's the messages, here's what you're doing. Give us the, your deadline is Monday. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's something that I think within VoiceWorks and Sports Social, we see, because we come from a radio background, we see the kind of the value of an integrated campaign over a, here's your messaging and the way that can work in podcasting. Do you think there is a move towards that in podcasting? Do you think we're going to see more of that or is it a long way, a long journey to travel before we get to that point? I think there will be elements of that. It's, it's kind of like when uh, well, when things get a massive scale, you then often have sort of boutique industries pop up in the little gaps to fill that kind of area and they, mm. and, and they might command a, a bigger cost per 
cost per million or whatever, or cost per thousand or whatever for that kind of content. I think that will happen. I don't think the whole industry, I think that's the opposite direction that the industry is going. And that's okay, because I, th- I think scale is important. But I think there will be people who really value that different kind of uh, approach. And I think there will be certainly content makers that, that will like that. Just one really quick example. One of the best sort of campaign, or I call it a campaign. It happened really organically and by accident. We were we, we were doing mail order raisers before mail order raisers were everywhere. <laughs> we were, this is like nine years ago. Was this, and, was this before Emma Mattresses and between, um, <laughs> <laughs> between Manscaped to be <laughs> MailChimp, were they in the mix? Uh, they were, uh, it was before all that, well before. Okay. It was, honestly, going back nine years and we had a direct relationship with a brand new company and um, we ended up c- coming up with this kind of thing I mean, for for one, we thought it was a great fit for our audience, and it proved to be. But we came up with this little thing, show us your shaft. It was just a really <laughs> casual throwaway thing that happened organically on, on a podcast. Like, oh, so-and-so's got in touch and said they're loving their new insert brand here, Razor. Mm. And they sent us a picture. Well, and we made a joke of it. Oh, what a lovely, what a lovely shaft. That, look, <laughs> that looks really small. It looks really big in your hand. Um, you know, that kind of thing, just making a bit of fun. And then that yeah. organically snowballed into a thing, a little hashtag, show us your shaft. And that mm. made the, the sales messages completely kind of embedded within content. That was that was really fun, and it was massively successful. And the the client was you could speak to them now, and they, they still and I get we get this a lot. And I think this is partly because I'm a a podcaster with a radio background. I bet you you find this the case with a lot of radio people involved in or people that are, have experience of working directly with advertising clients in podcasting. We have so many case studies where our return of investment has been the highest that they've had in a campaign, purely from that kind of thing. So do you want, as a content creator, you want the brief to you to pretty much be as loose as possible? You kind of want, here's the key messages, here's the feel, here's the brand, do what you like with it, rather than bullet points or a, a script or anything like that. You want to be able to put as much as you, of you want as possible into what it is you're doing. Uh, in an ideal world, but I'm also realistic. I understand that that's not how these things go. I'd like to take the, I'd like, it would be amazing to have the trust and the buy-in from the client that they need to sign it off and you know their name and their reputation is on this so they, they don't want to they've got people that they're answerable to and, we, and we've had this before jim when we've been working in clients in radio where they sort of we, we we get that early brief and we get the budget and all the rest of it and then we go back with three different ideas one that's really audacious and could sound incredible one that's kind of a bit creative and one that's just bog standard here's one off the shelf that's been done a thousand times before and that's the one that quite often yeah. people go with because they don't they don't want to be in a position where they've taken done something risky and it hasn't paid off so i don't know how you get to the point where you can take that client maybe who you haven't had a relationship before with and maybe you're one of a bunch of different podcasts that are working with them i don't know how you take them on that journey i guess that's where actually companies like yours is that's probably at your level jim rather than mine as the content creator something i'll get into with paul sylvester shortly maybe because he has 100% been on that journey with Absolute Radio and the brands they work with there. Yep. Uh, finally, before I let you go, tips. What would you give to a budding podcaster or radio presenter for delivering a great live read slash host red ad? What would you tell them was the thing to keep front of mind to make sure that content's really great? So I'll give one general approach and one specific tool you can use and, okay. and the, the overall approach is as i said kind of at the start of this chat everything is content don't focus on pleasing your client please your audience just have in your mind they love you enough to have clicked on and listened to this 
and you have to love them. And that means you've got to take that care and nurture that relationship. So don't say something's amazing when it's not amazing. Think this has got to be worth their time. And if you take that kind of care and effort, then that's great. And then one of the ways you can do that really simply, you can make it feel like it connects. And a specific little tip is turning everything into you statements. Don't just read facts or read stats or data or information about a company. Put it into their world and turn everything into a, into a you statement and why they should care. And make sure you show everyone your shaft. Always, Jim. I mean, (laughs) every morning at work for six years. (laughs) Tim, lovely to catch up with you. Really good to get your views and expertise on delivering great live reads as well. And appreciate your time on Sound Business. Anytime, Jimbo. So that's Tim looking at HRAs and live reads from a presenter point of view. But let's flip the focus and speak to Paul Sylvester and how he approaches this from a content director viewpoint. Paul Sylvester from Absolute Radio. How are you and where are you? I'm at home, working from home today, kind of getting used to this kind of new hybrid lifestyle of part work in the office, part work from home, but actually really enjoying getting back into London and but still being able to kind of work from home on the days uh, when I want to. Very good. It's a brave new world. So we're going to be talking about host red ads, live reads. I mean, it's slightly weird that in podcasting world, they get called host reds and radio world. We kind of know them as live reads, but they basically mean the same thing. Commercial messaging delivered by a presenter within a program format. I'm going to go straight in with a big question, if that's all right. For you, what is it that makes a really great host read? I guess it starts with the brand that you're working with. It starts with that communication, that trust that you've got and the trust that you build up to find out what they want to say and how precious they are about how that message is delivered. So if you've got a brand that's got 44 key messages that they want to get into any live read, live read or, or host read ad, then there are very few benefits to doing them mm. because there's just too much to get in. But actually, if you've got a brand that understands your brand, your talent, how they'll deliver it, and gives you that little bit of freedom to potentially talk around it, then that's when it works. Because actually, that's when also you can either deliver the brand's personality really engage the customer, the listener, that is, but also make it feel as though it's part of the content that you would do, whether you're being paid to do it or not, because that's the holy grail, really. Mm. The holy grail for, for live reads and host read ads is that the listeners should see it as being part of the editorial content of what they've chosen to listen to. And the more you can make it feel like part of the show or part of the podcast, the more successful that's going to be. You talk about it starting with the brand. Is it important for you to have that as a two-way dialogue? Do you need direct contact with the brand? Because for most people, there is a point of separation. There always will be, whether it's a sales team talking to a program controller and being the kind of barrier, but not barrier, that's that's, that's a very yeah, yeah. poor choice of world, but being the, the go-between between the brand and the programming side of it, or from a podcasting point of view even, often you'll have no communication with the brand itself. It'll be something that's delivered to you as something to read via your podcast provider, be it an Acast or a Sports Social Podcast Network or an Audio Boom or whoever. So how important is it for you to have that kind of direct communication? 
I mean, what generally happens for us is we get all of the radio briefs that are relevant to Absolute in. We have a daily meeting at nine o'clock. We'll go through all of the briefs, whether that's sponsorship, whether that's promotions, whether it includes live reads or doesn't. And we'll go through and, and come up with the solution which the sales team will take back. So I'm really heavily involved in what we would like that campaign to sound like. Obviously, it goes away. It'll either go away and never return or it'll go come back and we'll maybe have to do a revisit or a refresh or something like that when it's we've either not quite hit the mark or the brief slightly changed. But I, I, I think it's really important that I'm involved and that the programming team are involved because you know, we need to make sure that it fits with what the radio station would do. Now, that's not to say that we don't do stuff that isn't necessarily a snug fit with with who we are and what our values are, or, you know, who we'd love to work with. But actually, it's about sometimes taking those briefs and making them fit with the radio Mm -hmm. station. But if you get a partnership that is a long-term partnership, so something for, for me like when we work with Sky or Tesco Mobile or Wix, then yes, I'm, I'm quite heavily involved in that relationship because it is a long-term partnership. It is about building that conversation. And sometimes commercial people are involved. Sometimes it's not. It's just me and the marketing director of Wix. That happens on a regular basis because actually we can sometimes get more done in those kind of meetings Mm. without the differing agencies in. And that's not to do down the agencies. They do an incredible amount of work, but sometimes they'll just call me and say, right, we've got this challenge. How would you suggest we do it? But I think when it comes through to to reads and trails and, and messaging, yeah, I'd like to be involved because it's coming out of the speakers. And so therefore it is content. And my job's the content director. One of the things you mentioned before was that a great host read sounds like part of the content that is being delivered. And I guess that kind of comes down to the authenticity of the way that read is delivered. How do you ensure that as a content director, your presenters can deliver that content in an authentic way and give it, I guess, the power of audio is the the way messages can be delivered and the personal connections that a presenter has with their audience. But that only works if stuff's authentic. So how do you make sure that you get that buy-in when potentially the brand or the message isn't something mm. that the presenter cares deeply about? I think sometimes what we do is we say, right, who who fits this brief? So, you know, yes, we're a huge radio station and we've got lots of presenters, but that doesn't mean that a campaign has to run across everything. Because actually, if it's a campaign for parents with young kids to go see a movie that is a Pixar movie or something like that, then actually we want to use presenters who've got young kids who probably will have been to see it or who we can send to see it with their kids and where there's that authentic fit. Similarly, if it's about driving or cars, there's presenters who, who have got much better fit for that. So to start with, we'll always try and match the, the briefs and the reads with the presenters in the same way as I guess they do with podcasts as well, because mm. you wouldn't necessarily send everything to, to all the podcasts to get the same results. You pick and choose. So we, we definitely do that. I think, again, if it's a bigger partnership, if it's a bigger campaign, then it's good to get the presenters in the room with the client so the client and the agency can explain what they want to get across. And not only what they want to get across, but then the presenters can be involved in how we get it across. They can be involved in creating the promotion, creating the campaign, because you know presenters will always do a better job if they're involved in the kind of the technicalities of how that's going to be, as well as the overarching idea. 
because every presenter is always going to buy into it so much more if they're involved. So I think that, you know, getting a presenter to do it, it's about understanding who that presenter is, what excites them, but also across the radio station, making sure that your squad is reflective and cast correctly so that you can be on as many briefs as possible and do it as well as you can. But then also getting making sure the presenters are involved to, to be part of the process because they'll just do a better job. Does that kind of bespoke process apply to how you brief a presenter as well for a host read? Is it very much a horses for courses that you might involve some in those meetings, you might not involve others, you might provide scripts for some in full written format, you might provide bullet points for the others? Is it working out pretty much what those individuals need and then providing them with the tools to do their job, I suppose? Yeah, absolutely. But that's the same with all presenters on everything. You manage presenters, you manage on-air talent in different ways. Some presenters really want to go through their show link by link by link. Some presenters want to go and discuss it, you know, discuss the, the theory of it, the overall big picture over lunch. Some want a coffee. Some would prefer to do it whilst you go for a walk. You pick <laughs> and choose how you give your feedback and, and, and how you deliver all of those messages. Some want to do it on the phone. Some don't really want to do it at all, but you do. You find a way to get through it with them. So, yeah, you brief the presenters. But again, the sooner you can get them into the process, the easier it is to brief them. And the easier it is for them to have fun, you know, lots of the campaign, you know, some of the campaigns will just say, here's the read, read it. Others will be add own experience, add own views, you know, right. tell us what, you know, tell us what you think. How do you relate to this? Will be in the scripts that they're delivered. If it depends how long the campaign is as well, how big it is. And then if it's a really big campaign, then yeah, we'll do phone calls, meetings with them to go through it with them. I think one of the things that you hear quite often in every kind of content is that handbrake turn when something goes from being host-driven presenter idea content into that commercial read. Mm. How do you mitigate that? How do you make that transition as smooth as possible? I mean, I guess also it depends where you where you place it. So for ease on on radio, on music radio, there is the punctuation that you can have with a song and that you can use the music as the punctuation to get you between those two those two somewhat jarring moments uh, and sometimes there is there is no way of doing it and sometimes you do have to go and actually it's also about being honest with the listeners it's about having a, a kind of a laugh with it as well mm. you know we've been known to do that because actually the listeners know what they're doing they've tuned into commercial radio they are not going to be shocked that there is commercial activity on the radio station if they are then they'll learn quick that this is what commercial radio is and I think we should be proud of it and I think we should celebrate it and celebrate it in all its forms you know we've working with Wix over the course of the last 10 years on the breakfast show you know we've just had great fun with that campaign and we have done some stuff that has completely jarred with everything but actually the fun is in that we laugh and joke with Wix that actually we have sold more floor tiles, sheds, roof tiles, fence panels. And there's no way to, you know, often weave that subtly in. And so actually we celebrate all of this and Wix trust us to be able to have fun in doing that. Mm. And I think that's why the listeners talk about Wix. You know, Wix, you know, in, you know, in their 10th year on The Breakfast Show and it's been nominated and won a lot of awards because of the fact we know that you can't take it seriously 
in some respects and Wix know that you can't take it seriously in some respects so they've you know we've had drop paint tins on floors we've literally done battles in car parks trolley dashes all of those stuff but then you can have a serious moment and recently we did a whole thing around Wix supporting community projects across the UK and then you've got to be that little bit more sensitive but if you don't need to be sensitive then having fun with it and making the listeners laugh if that's part of what your kind of overall remit is makes it a much more natural segue. Does that come down to trust? Does that kind of relationship only happen if the trust is there? Not just between yourself and your presenters to let them do what works, but also between the brand and you that you know how to deliver a message to your audience. Sure. Yeah. And and that doesn't come easy. And, you know, I think it kind of clicked after about two to three years with Wix. You know, we were actually in a meeting room with the agency before Wix even signed with them. And had a conversation about, okay, so if we were to work with Wix, what would you do? How would you guys integrate it? And I remember sitting there in the meeting room, actually with Christian O'Connell, who was hosting the breakfast show, discussing a load of ideas that we could do. And I think it was the boldness of the ideas that helped the agency and us then then kind of create this, this partnership. But it is about trust. And we've had clients that have come along since and you know lots of people want to recreate what Wix have got with the you know with the radio station and with the audience because obviously commercially it it works really hard for them but actually they've got to learn to relax and trust us that we know what we're doing but that only does come with the amount of time that we're all in a room together throwing ideas around sharing Mm -hmm. ideas and explaining why this is better than doing it what you would call the traditional way. I think one of the best pieces of advice I ever got through my radio career was from a PD who said to me that if you can deliver a good host read, then you'll never be out of work. And it was front and centre of his mind in terms of what's important in commercial radio. Yet I think presenters often treat it as almost begrudgingly. It's almost the thing that gets in the way of them doing their job as delivering these host reads. When you're looking for people to work in radio you obviously get sent hundreds of demos all the time loads of people want to work in what is an amazing industry to work in do you want to hear live reads within that do you want to hear commercial content within those demos and how important do you put that on the priority list of what makes a good presenter again it's about casting for me the the presenter lineup is a is a football squad I need great strikers, I need midfield generals, I need some flair, I need some youth, I need some experience. And and the same kind of goes with this. As long as there are people, there will be people who do it better than others. That's fine. That's great. Mm. And yes, it's in the mix that you want some people who who can do it stunningly. But I I wouldn't say that when I'm recruiting or hiring or casting for, for a presenter on Absolute Radio that necessarily it's there. It depends, again, who it is. Is you're bringing people through, then if we're doing pilots, for example, we will put a commercial read in there to see what it sounds like. But I think if a presenter does it begrudgingly or doesn't want to do it or does think it gets in the way, then I agree to some extent that actually they're just not going to have a very long career in commercial radio. That doesn't make them a bad person, doesn't make them a good person, (laughs) but it is a fundamental of what we do. However, what I will say is it is up to everyone else around the presenter to explain why it's important uh, and B, to explain, okay, how can we make it feel better for you? How can we make it so that it does sound like something you'd want to do? I mean, the best way to learn this stuff is 
listening right i mean in mm. radio in general the more you listen the more you learn the more you can hear things you like and don't like who's the master at this in your opinion if you look at the market who is the person that you would trust 100% to deliver a brilliant piece of commercial integration every single time oh that's a really good that's a really good question um i think you've just got you've got experienced broadcasters who know exactly what they're doing so i look at people like Claire Sturgis on Absolute, who's just a pro at delivering this stuff. I also look at people like Emma B on Magic, who again is just really good at doing that. But then also you've got people like Jordan and Perry on Kiss, who are incredible, infectious, and it's their energy that gets them through. Yeah, do you know what? I bet I can confidently say they may not get all of the key messages away. But actually, do you know what? They will do it with such power and, and energy and, and excitement that they'll get through it. And actually, you don't, as I say, you don't always need all of that. And then actually for making it funny, I go back to people like Dave Berry and, and Bush and Richie who do home time for, for us, who've in their time, you know, through commercial radio, I, I, I would imagine if you took Bush and Richie together, they've probably got 40 years experience in commercial radio. Add Dave in, that's another 15. So you've got 55 years worth of commercial radio experience in being able to do this, have fun with it and bring it to life in that way. But then again, what is a host red ad? You also look at people like Pandora on Heart, who is doing the kind of Make Me a Millionaire competition mm. uh, on there, which is a premium rate SMS competition. And Pandora's you know, energy and enthusiasm for doing that, that's an SMS. An SMS read like that is, is another example of a host read. And I think you know her and Matt Wilkinson both do that really well. And that's a skill as well to be able to get those things right make me care as an audience member make me care about whatever it is you're doing be it a live read be it a brilliant piece of content be it a song it's just all about making the audience feel something but it is you're exactly right also we will sometimes do this again and again and again and the listener may only hear it once so it's how do you make it sound fresh and exciting for the 54th time Mm. and i i listen to some podcasts and all of a sudden you've got three or four host reds per podcast and the uh the hosts are equally as excited and love absolutely absolutely adore everything to a full extent (laughs) you can't And, and and i think that's when they go wrong as well when everything is brilliant everything is great you love it you buy it you own it you know and you should too i think sometimes there's a lack of awareness of of those kind of situations and those kind of times are when it feels less authentic Mm. so i think you've got to pick and choose and i always say to my presenters look if you are genuinely excited about something great do it if you're not do what's on the script and do it well but don't feel as though you've got to love and adore everything that you do because nobody does it's impossible to do that and you just sound like a bit of an idiot Paul, I think that is a brilliant piece of advice to end our chat on. So thank you very much for your time on today's Sound Business. My pleasure. That is it for today's episode of Sound Business. Thank you very much to Paul and Tim for their time and apologies for the quality of my sound on the first chat with Tim Cocker. Turns out I didn't have my microphone turned on, which shows that even people who profess to be audio professionals can make mistakes sometimes. 
Speaking of which, I thought there was some really interesting stuff in today's podcast from both guests. And I listened back to it from someone who has spent 25 years in the industry feeling like there were a few nuggets from both of them. Stuff that maybe I'd forgotten about or pushed to the back of my mind. But it was a great reminder of how to deliver brilliant host read and live reads. That is it for today's episode. There is plenty more to come on Sound Business. So make sure you've hit subscribe. And if you've not listened to the previous shows, check back into the archives because there are a load of different conversations on a load of different topics, all to do with sound and audio. So no matter what area of the business you're interested in, hopefully you will find the podcast for you. And as always, if you want to talk audio, if you want to see how VoiceWorks can help you with your audio strategy, then head to the website, voiceworks.ai.